And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz there, Lawson. Yes, okay. So, the next clue for the quiz. Again, this is a Who Am I quiz. We've already... Lyle's already answered this correctly, so there's no double prizes up for grabs. But, of course, we have our Tortured for Christ DVD here. If you want to claim this, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you can pick it up if you get this correct. So, we've already gone through this as a Who Am I quiz. The first clue was... I am also known as Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. I sold a field and brought the money to the and put it at the, the, the apostles' feet. All the apostles were afraid of Paul until I brought him to them in Jerusalem. And next clue is, after Paul healed a crippled man in Lystra, the people worshipped us as God. They called me Zeus and Paul Hermes. So, ooh, 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 ooh. well, we know where, where does Paul who do was stuff? called Hermes? Like, yeah, you, you, you know, if you have an understanding of the Bible, you're starting to you're starting to zero in here. We're starting to to get some get some get some more context for what's going on. So that means you can just open up your Bible, open it to some chapter that would tell you this information, and and bam. Yep, there you go. Dude, just look up the word Hermes. Anyway, uh, let's go to Revelation before we give any more clues away. Let's go to <sighs> Revelation chapter 5. We're working our way through the book of Revelation. We are up to chapter 5. And chapter 5, of course, is a continuation of chapter 4. There is no, no, no break in the, in the passage. Uh, the passage begins in chapter 4. It ends in chapter 8 and verse 1, where the mm-hmm. next prophecy begins. So we're still dealing with the introduction to the seven churches. And right here in Revelation chapter 5, we read about um, the Lamb. So here we have the Lamb that is about to turn up. So, uh, But before we get to that, we have a book. And I'm wondering whether you can read for us verse 1, please. There's something unique about this book. Okay, so chapter 5 and verse 1. That's the one. Okay. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. Thank you. And before we get into this Bible study, just to do a uh, quick reminder, if you are in an area that has low signal strength or you are a commuter who drives away from our signal strength and we have had a number of people say, oh, I get halfway to work and I stop being able to listen to you or you know, it's cutting in and out or another station's cutting over the top of it or, or whatever it might be, there is a very simple solution. And, of course, that solution is to do what everybody else is doing and... Follow the crowd. <laughs> Catch up with the times, guys. Catch up with the times. Listen to the radio on your phone rather than on your radio in your car, mm-hmm. and it will work just perfectly. So you simply um, download the TuneIn Radio app, get the free version, or uh, jump across to faithfm.com.au, press play. Now it's playing through your phone. Just run it through your Bluetooth or your auxiliary cord in your car, and you are up and running right there. So just want to remind our listeners of that. Um, this is the way that uh, most people are listening to the radio these days. So, yeah, jump on with everybody else. Anyway, we were here reading about this book that is in the... Whereabouts is this book? This book is in the right hand of one who is sitting on the throne. Okay. And what is significant about the book? Well, it's um, it's got writing on the inside and mm. writing 
on the outside. Okay, so sealed with seven seals. There are a number of things that we need to notice in relationship to this book within the culture of the time in which this was written. Mm -hmm. And the first of these is that books in those days did not have pages or leaves such as the books that we have today. Um, First century books were in the form of scrolls. And the way that you read a scroll is that you roll it, and because you're rolling it backwards and forwards, scrolls were written on one side. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and, and that made it, you know, an efficient way of being able to, to to run through and to find, you know, various portions of the book that you wanted to actually read. This one is sealed with seven seals. What you find is when we go to Revelation chapter 6 is that these seven seals are arranged in such a way that as you break each one of the seals, another portion of the book can be unrolled. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can unroll it to a point and then it's sealed by the next seal and you can't continue unrolling it until you break that particular seal. So it is a sealed book and it is a double-sided book. Mm-hmm. So this one is unusual because not only is it written on the inside, it is also written on the outside. We need to find out what is this book. Mm-hmm. Before we find out what this book is, we need to find out how important do you think this book might be. Let's look at John's reaction. Um, and, and well, let's yeah, let's read verse read for us verse two. Okay. Uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 2 says, And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll? And opened it. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Okay, so um, how would you feel in this kind of situation if you were seeing this vision? You see this book, it is in the right hand of God. Uh, that would be... That would indicate that this book is a book of importance, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. Sure. So you've got a book of importance here, a book that contains the Word of God, and uh, an angel you know, sends out a proclamation. This is, okay, we need to open the book. We need to read what it says. We need to find out this information that uh, God has written down for us and he has available for us, so somebody needs to come and open the book. And a search is made of the entire universe for somebody to open the book, and no one is worthy to open the book. Mm. How would you feel at this point? I think I think you'd be, like if you're in John's shoes, just standing there and watching this sort of transpire before you, like I guess you'd be a little bit worried. You'd be like, man, no one no one can open the book, and this book's really important because God's holding it. Like what's, what's happening here? Like Holding it in his right hand. In his right hand. Like yeah. this is, oh, man. Wow. It's um, that is a pretty wild kind of a um, situation to be in. I think that I would have a number of emotions. Mm-hmm. One of them being worry. Yeah. The other being an intense curiosity. Yeah, fully. You know, what kind of a book is it that uh, that you know no one in the universe is qualified to open? Man. But John's reaction is different from both yours and mine. Mm-hmm. Let's notice how John reacts. Um, Why don't you read for us verse 4, please? Yeah, sure. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. Okay, let me ask you this question, Lawson. Have you ever read anything in the Bible and gone, wait a minute, I don't understand what that's all about? Yeah, fully. 100%. (laughs) Uh We have all been there. 
<laughs> and how did you react? Um, just pure confusion. Just like, just like you know, you sit there and you read something that doesn't make sense, and it's like, man, what am I doing with my life? Were you like, tempted to? Were you tempted to uh, throw that passage in the too hard basket and say, "How and I'll just come move back on, to, just move on? just move on"? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we've all been there. We've all been there. It's like I, read, I have no idea what the Bible's talking about. That you know, just move on. Here you've got John. He is confronted with something that is obviously the word of God. Mm-hmm. He is not able to read it. Or understand it. And his reaction is like, oh, well, nobody can open the book, move on. What's going to happen next? You know, look around, look around. You know, I'm in the throne room of God. This is pretty exciting. Uh, What's the next big event here? No, 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 no. He is so concerned and wants to understand everything about the Word of God so much that He's overcome by emotion. Mm-hmm. He cannot believe wow. that there is no one who is worthy to open this book. And he's so desperate to find out what the Word of God says because he loves the Word of God so much. He's overcome by emotion. The Bible says he weeps. Man, th- this is very yeah. Daniel-esque, actually. It's a big it is, parallel to the, to the book of Daniel when you see him in, in, in chapter 10, for example where he receives all these prophecies from God and he's like, sweet, that's awesome, but I need to understand, like come to the understanding of when is Jerusalem finally like, because he just receives the prophecy of the Messiah in 70 weeks. Uh And he's like, we need a Jerusalem for that to happen, but he has no idea what's going on and why there isn't a Jerusalem yet. And he's just like praying his heart out, fasting, like, and it's, it's, yeah, we see the same reaction. And also in, in uh, chapter 8. Yeah, in chapter 8 as where well. Where he gets the 2,300-year prophecy. It's like 2,300 years before the sanctuary is cleansed. How can this be possible? I can't understand the vision. And because he could not understand the word of God, he was sick. Yeah. It made him sick. You know, it, it's a challenge for us because I've never felt sick <laughs> from not being able to understand the word of God. Um, but, you know, this was Daniel's, Daniel's reaction was he's sick. John's reaction is that he's just weeping because he can't understand. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so he is uh, he's weeping here um, in relationship to um, not being able to understand the contents of this book. Hmm. Now, why might let's look at some more detail as to why he might be so overcome by emotion. So, if you're going to stay within the Bible, mm-hmm. there is only one other place in the Bible where you will find a double-sided book. Wow! Okay. And I'll assign this one to you for homework. It's found in Jeremiah chapter thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Verse 6 through 14. Yes. Let me summarize the story for you that you're going to find in this particular passage. Jeremiah has been prophesying that the exiles who are gone into Babylon will one day return to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Nobody is believing him. They're like, no, this is exactly the same as what happened when the Assyrians took the Israelites captive. They're not coming back. Mm -hmm. God says, okay, then do this. Go and buy a piece of land. Now, why would you buy land when you're about to be deported? That makes no sense at all. Yeah. Because you're never going to be able to enjoy that land. And God's like, no, no, it'll be passed on to your descendants. Go buy yourself some land. So he goes and buys some land. And you've got the whole uh, story there in detail of the business transaction that takes place. And this is how it used to work with title deeds. Mm Mm-hmm. They would write up two sets of title deeds, one that you would keep and one that would be kept in trust. Mm -hmm. Very similar to what we would do today. 
then the various parties, you know, the, the, the seller, you know, the vendor and, 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 and the buyer would sign the title deeds. So mm-hmm. they're now being uh, signed across from you. They would sign their name on those title deeds. Okay, so now that property is yours. But here's the problem. In ancient times, what happens if you've got a piece of paper, right, mm-hmm. and your signature is across the bottom mm-hmm. and somebody wants to change that title deed? What happens if they come along and uh, they just use a sharp knife, cut your signature off the bottom, and then put their signature there? Yeah. That could be a problem, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it could definitely be. See, here's what they used to do with title deeds. They would sign them on the front mm-hmm. and on the back side. Mm-hmm. Because on the back side, you could sign right across where all of the were, where all yeah. of the writing of the contract was, and then it can't be changed. It is locked in. It is guaranteed when it is a double-sided document signed on both sides. Mm-hmm. And so when the Bible talks about a double-sided document here, the Bible is trying to catch your attention. In our age, it doesn't catch your attention as much as it did in the first century. Mm-hmm. But in the first century, people gone, bang, I know exactly what that is, a double-sided book. It's written on the back side. These are title deeds. What title deeds would these be? Mm. And we're going to find out as we go through our next two verses, please, Lawson. All right. Picking it up in verse 5, the Bible says, But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the f- and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represents the sevenfold spirit. And God that is sent, and, and sorry, <laughs> of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. Okay, thank you. All right, so who is it that turns up in these two verses? The Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus. Jesus turns up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what you've got. Now, um, in what condition? Do, I, I Actually, before we get there, mm-hmm. let's build a word picture. Okay. Because the Bible is building a word picture. So notice what the Bible says. And, and place yourself in John's shoes here for a moment. Uh, in verse 5, the elder says, you know, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah. What kind of an animal is a lion? A ferocious, big, awesome Powerful, yeah, king of the beasts, yeah, and so John is there. He's weeping because no one is found worthy to open the book. An angel comes up, like, "Don't weep, calm down. It's okay. It's okay because the lion of the tribe of Judah has arrived." Yeah, right. So suddenly, John is encouraged. Someone has arrived who has the power and the authority. Mm -hmm. Somebody who is a lion. And the Bible says that the angel says, Behold, it says in my translation, or look, look at the line of the tribe of Judah. And so you can imagine, you know, if, if, uh, if it had been, if it had been me, my head would have snapped around because I want to see this lion. Mm. You know, a lion is just a most magnificent creature, greatest of the big cats. My head would have snapped around to see this powerful, majestic, royal, Beast standing there, his head snaps around, he looks, and what does he see? A lamb. What what condition is the lamb in? A lamb that looks like it had been slaughtered. Okay. A lamb as it had been slain or killed, Mm -hmm. it says in my translation. Is that a contrast? 
Yeah. Yeah. Is there a contrast to begin with between a lion and a lamb? 100%. And is there a contrast again between a lion and a lamb that looks like it's been killed? Yeah. Yeah. That's massive. Mm. And the angel's saying, don't calm down. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Don't weep. Why? Because the lion of the tribe of Judah is here. Great. Somebody powerful enough to go up there and take that book and to snap those seals open, Mm. he turns around and there's a lamb as it had been slain. Mm. The imagery here is so powerful because it is depicting the fact that Jesus is the one who is worthy to take the book. He's one who is worthy to open the book and to break the seals on that book because he is the lamb that has been slain. Mm. He is the one who purchased this world Mm. with his blood. He paid for it with his blood. Where the Lord demanded that this world be destroyed, Mm. Jesus paid the ransom with his blood. He has the right to go and take the title deeds to this world. And so you you place yourself in John's shoes. He looks up there and it's like, okay, yeah, I understand that book. It's sealed with seven seals, but uh, it's written on two sides, double-sided document, title deeds, title deeds to, to, to my planet. All right, we need somebody to open it up and find out who owns it. Yeah, mm. Satan claims that he owns it, yeah. but does he really own it? You know, who is winning the great controversy between Christ and Satan right here? Mm. We need to find out. And of course, you know, this is this is the this is the throne room vision of what is taking place when Jesus ascends into heaven after his crucifixion. The the, the call goes out. Someone come and open the book. No one can open it. Mm. Now, our home is at stake. Our planet is at stake. The entire human race is at stake. Now, you start to understand why John Mm. weeps so much. There is a lot at stake right here. Yeah. And then the angel's like, he breaks down, and the angel's like, calm down. Don't freak out. It's all good. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Great. Somebody's here. Turns around, and he sees Jesus, the lamb that was slain, and suddenly he understands how it is that Jesus has Mm. the right and the power and the authority to go and break those seals and to declare ownership of this world because he he is the only one who has paid for this world. Satan claims it as his own. Mm -hmm. He claims it because he claims that we gave it to him. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, the moment that we gave it to him, Jesus came down with the promise of redemption and he bought it back. Yeah. Right there. On the spot. Mm -hmm. Paid for it. And of course, that payment came through, um, you know, four thousand years later when he died on the cross. Mm. And now Jesus is turning up in heaven and saying, "Hey, I've paid for it. Mm-hmm. There's no dispute. There's no argument. I'm the one who can open those seals." Man, powerful! It is powerful. Oh, it's, 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 like it's just like getting goosebumps. Like it's uh-huh. ah, it's incredible. Just just that thought, you know, that that thought alone. It's like, what did it take for me to be saved? Yeah. What did it take for us to be saved? And it's like, you know, it, it didn't it didn't even take might. It just took sacrifice mm-hmm. from, you know, the highest moral authority in the universe was willing. You know, when no one was, he he was willing. And it's, oh, man, it's just incredible. And we just see these scenes. This is the thing I love about the book of Revelation. It's just the heavenly side of what's happening on earth is just being unraveled before mm-hmm. us. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, and, and definitely you read something like, oh, John weeps bitterly. And then, the, you know, there's a scroll with two sides. You read that in a 2019 context. It's like... Okay, yeah, sweet. And you just keep reading. That's right. But there <laughs> but, is so much depth here oh, when you read it in the context and the culture of man, its era. It's incredible. And it's it's awesome that we sit here like 
some 2,000 years after the death of Jesus and this book was written, um, you know, being able to understand it because mm. of the, the resources that we have, you know. Mm. So, mm. yeah, praise the Lord. Okay, verse 7 for us there, please, Lawson. All right. Um, he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one um, from the one who was sitting on the throne. Okay, so you want some goosebumps right now? Okay. This book is about to be opened. Oof. You know, you're, you're in Here John's shoes, you're standing Here there, we go. Um, you've been, you know, uh, weeping and it's about to be opened.
You're listening to Jeremy Camp, Give Me Jesus, here on Faith FM. We are in our Encounter with God section, studying our way through Revelation chapter 5. And Lawson, have we got another clue for our quiz? Oh, yes, we do. Have we snapped this one up yet? No. But again, if you know the answer to this, you can call us on 1-800-324-843 and you can get your free copy of Torture to Christ. But here we go. We have another clue for the quiz. Okay. so Bring it on. This is just like, this is, this is the big giveaway one. It says, Paul and I were the first missionaries sent to the, from the church in Antioch. So they were sent out from the church in Antioch to be missionaries. Mm-hmm. And Paul and him were the first. Okay. So if you know who that is, give us a call, claim a prize. You'll be happy. Trust me. But here we go. We're studying through the book of Revelation. We're just pumped, aren't we? We're just yes. we're just pumped up. We're psyched, and Lyle's been just 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 hitting us with some hitting us with some truth. Okay, so you can imagine you can imagine if uh, you're in John's shoes right now, mm-hmm. and now Jesus steps forward and takes the book. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who is found worthy. He is worthy because he has shed his blood, because he has actually bought this world. He's paid for it with his blood. He has ransomed us, um, and you know. John sees Jesus step forward and take the book out of the Father's hand um, because he has the right to open these seals and to break mm-hmm. these seals. And the Bible goes on to describe what it is. How do you think heaven reacts? Well, Jesus turns up from this earth. He has arrived. He has paid the penalty. How do you think heaven is going to react to what Jesus has Done as they have seen the as they have seen God, as they have seen the ruler and the creator of the universe make the infinite sacrifice, mm. the ultimate sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice that has ever been made, and then turn up with the rights to our world. You can imagine John's reaction, but let's read the reaction of the universe. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Picking up in verse eight. The Bible says, And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are their prayers, uh, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy, O Lord, to take the scroll, to break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth okay so what what summarize for us the reaction right here and they're just they're just pumped they're just like yes yes just oh and you can imagine that you know the 24 elders they are going to be especially pumped, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. Because once again, this is their planet. This mm-hmm. is their earth. Okay, so let's place yourself in the position of the 24 elders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus has died. They've ascended into heaven. Um, before Jesus, you know, they arrive there before Jesus does, or they, they arrive there, you know, with Jesus. And the Father is there. The Father has the title deeds to this planet. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, who's going to take these? Who's going to deal with them? Uh, and um, uh, you know, the, the, what, what happens if Jesus does not have the right? What what happens if Jesus' sacrifice is not enough to those twenty four elders? Well, it's 
f- for them also, there's there's no salvation. It's game over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they've just arrived in heaven. You know, they'd be amazed. They'd be like, yes, mm. this place is amazing. Mm-hmm. And Jesus turns up and his sacrifice is not good enough. It's like, well, sorry, you got to enjoy it for like five minutes. Now you're gone. Yeah, rough gig. <laughs> that would be an incredibly rough gig. <laughs> Uh, so you can understand why they would be concerned. You can understand why John would be concerned because heaven is a place that he one day mm. wants to go to. You can understand why Moses and Elijah came down to the mountain of transfiguration to encourage Jesus mm-hmm. because if Jesus had not gone through with it, they would lose everything that they yeah. had. And it, it, and it's awesome to see from the 24 elders, they're also ho- holding the gold bowls filled with incense, which is the prayers of God's people, as the Bible says. Essentially, they're... They're as well holding up the people of God who are on earth. Mm-hmm. And they're like, like we're representatives of those people. Like we're, we're, we're yeah, we're part of the race who's, who's being saved. And they're like, yeah, we're here on behalf of everyone, and we want to see this happen. You know, for for the sake not only of ourselves but for our planet and and for everyone. And there, and and then yeah, Jesus just just comes out, and they they just they're just stoked. They're like, yes, yes, there's hope. Absolutely, you know? absolutely, incredible. Yeah. All right, so we need to uh, continue on here, and we've got a couple more verses that we can. Uh, where, did we, where did we get up to? The, to verse eleven. Oh, we read yeah, verse ten, and yeah, now we're read up verse to 10. verse eleven. Notice here that, that the promise is that they are made kings and priests. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting outcome for the twenty-four elders, because that's a concept that goes all the way back to God's covenant. Mm-hmm. Let's turn our Bibles back to the book of Exodus, chapter nineteen. Exodus chapter 19. Let's find out what God's original intention for his people Mm -hmm. was supposed to be. So Exodus 19, and we will go to verse 5. If you could read that one. All right. So Exodus 19, verse 5 says, Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Okay. All right. So, notice here the Bible says, You will be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mm -hmm. Now, the word kingdom signifies being a king. Yeah. A kingdom of priests. Priests. Priest. And this is a this 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 duality of kingship and priesthood is something that goes from one end of the Bible mm-hmm. to the other. Yeah. This was God's intention that we would rule over this planet and we would be the priests of this planet. We'd both mm-hmm. be, be both kings and priests. Now, of course, in the system that God set up that exists in the context of sin. Mm-hmm. A union of church and politics is never going to work. No. Take sin out of the equation, and that's the perfect environment. And so this is why if you go over to uh, where Peter repeats this covenant and reapplies it away from Israel and specifically to the Christian church, we find that Peter picks up this theme again. So if we go to Peter, First uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse... Nine, if you could read that one for us. Right. The Bible says in First Peter chapter two and verse nine, but you are not like that, for you are chosen people. Uh, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, 
you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Thank you. Okay, so notice here once again, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of mm-hmm. priests. You go over to Revelation chapter 1, and this is you know, this is just a theme. It's a theme right the way through here. This is God's wish for all of us. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6, if you could read that one for us, please. Yeah, sure. The Bible says, He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. There you go. Amen. Kings oh, and it. priests. It, it's that concept that, you know, because what, what does a priest do? They're aiding the, you know, the plan of salvation. They're aiding the intercession that between God and man. Um, as, you know, Jesus is the ultimate high priest. He is the one who literally gets it done. But as a kingdom of priests, we're aiding that. And it's like we can be part of people being saved. And that's... This is awesome. It is. It is indeed. Um, And that's why there's so much praise and glory in this chapter.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son. To make a wretch's treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring Many sons to glory Behold the man upon a cross My sin upon his shoulders Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. 
If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Welcome back, guys. We have a a uh, answer for our quiz, and it was Gary from Glenelg. Congratulations, Gary. Well done. Oh, shout you out, got Gaza. the answer correct as Barnabas, and a prize coming your way. Well done. 100%. Okay, question of the day time. Yes. Our question for the day is, does the story of the rich man and Lazarus teach we go to heaven when we die? Okay, and this is a shortened version of uh, the original full question, but... Um, really it summarizes what the question is all about. If we go to Luke chapter 16, we read this most interesting story uh, beginning in verse 19. The Bible says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen Mm -hmm. and fed sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate full of sores and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and desiring to be, uh, uh, and, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried, and he in hell lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and likewise Lazarus received evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those which would pass from there to you cannot, neither can they pass from us to you. Then he said, I pray you therefore that you would send uh, him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, if, if someone went from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. A most interesting parable. We have to ask ourselves this question. What is it that Jesus is trying to teach mm. in this parable? Is Jesus trying to give us a lesson on what happens when a person dies, or is this, or is there another uh, lesson here. The second thing is this. Is this parable a symbolic parable or is this a literal presentation of what happens when a person dies? Now you've only got those two options. You cannot take any other option other than this is either literally what happens when a person dies or this is symbolic of a spiritual lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. Okay, so let's consider this. Let's ask ourselves the question is it possible that this is a depiction of literally what happens when a person dies. And I want to point out that Jesus makes it, Jesus goes to extraordinary lengths to show that this parable is a symbolic parable and that he does not want us to take this as a literal depiction of what happens when a person dies. So let's consider uh, some of the elements of the parable. First of all, if every righteous person who dies goes off to Abraham's bosom, how large is Abraham's bosom? 
you know, is, is Abraham able to reach his arms around, you know, the entire human race of every person that has ever been saved right down through the centuries? And if it's necessary when you get to heaven to rest in somebody, then, uh, and we rest in Abraham's bosom, then who does Abraham rest in? You know, who is, you know, do we have like a chain thing happening right here? Um, And thirdly, if this is what heaven is about, you know, being in the embrace of Abraham for the rest of eternity, that doesn't, you know, that sounds kind of of nice for maybe a minute, but heaven is a place of eternity. Mm -hmm. This is not something that is attractive, not in the least. There is nothing attractive about this at all. Okay. Then we continue on from there, and uh, the of course Lazarus points out that there is a great gulf, or Abraham points out that there is a great gulf between heaven and hell, so that people can't pass across. Uh, the problem that goes through my mind is, uh, if there's this great gulf there, how could the rich man even be heard across that distance, and how could he be seen across that distance, and then of course. How could he not see that there was a great gulf there in the first place? How did? Why did he need to be told that? Why, if if uh, you know, why didn't he just you know, like, oh, I'm in hell. This is not good. I'm going to walk over there. Of course, um, this is a symbolic uh, parable that Jesus is giving. Okay, then we think about heaven. If this is a true depiction of heaven and hellfire, then we have this reality: those in heaven can see those who are in hellfire, and those in heaven can communicate with those who are in hellfire. This would make heaven the most horrific place to be. Imagine being there and people that were the people that you loved the most more than anything else. And you can chat there and have a conversation with them while they are being burned and tortured for eternity in hellfire. When are you going to enjoy anything to do with heaven? You are going to just detest being there. You're going to try and get yourself as far away from it as possible. I don't want to go to a heaven that is like that. And then, of course, um, Jesus, in his effort to make sure that nobody ever makes the mistake of placing any kind of literal interpretation on this parable in any way possible, talks about uh, the rich man calling for a drop of water to be placed on the tip of his tongue while he's in hellfire. Now, I've got to tell you, friends, if you're in hellfire, you're not going to want a drop of water on the tip of your tongue. You are going to want a fire hose drenching you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Jesus is going to extraordinary lengths to make sure that nobody ever takes this parable literally. And then, of course, um, and this was something the question pointed out, you know, that, that was the soul and spirit that went to um, either heaven or hellfire. But that's not what the Bible is teaching here. There is no mention of the soul or the spirit anywhere in this passage. Everything that is mentioned in this passage is literal bodies, eyes, tongues, fingers, bosom, um, etc. And of course, this is what the Bible teaches. If you go back to the book of Matthew, let me see, I'm going for time here. I've got a little bit of time left. See if I can just uh, read this one here uh, in Matthew chapter 5. If your right hand offends you, pluck it out and throw it away. It is profitable for you that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body is thrown into hell. There's no soul or spirit anywhere in the Bible that goes into hell. The Bible is clear that it is the whole 
body that goes into hellfire. So what is the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach here? The rich man, and I don't have time to go into it in detail, the rich man is a symbol of the Jewish people who have the riches of the gospel. The poor man is a symbol of the Gentiles who do not have that, who are associated with the dogs. And the Jewish people did not believe in Jesus, even though they had Moses and the prophets. And even if someone came from the dead, they still not, would not believe in Jesus. Um, and Jesus went on and proved that by raising to dead a man by the name of Lazarus. And we are out of time for today. But that is question of the day for today. <laughs> Faith FM as we wrap up the show here today, sitting here with Lawson and Lyle. And Lyle, yes, we've come to the part of the show. Where we get to give something away for yes. free. Don't even have to answer a quiz clue, just got to be the first caller through. 1-800-324-843 is the number. What are you giving away today there, Lawson? So, check it out. We've been talking about Jesus in our Bible study and, and you know, in Revelation and the hope of humanity that he is. Um, and we have this book here. It's called Hope for a Helpless Planet. And this book is specifically talking about the second coming of Jesus and the events surrounding that. As we've been reading in the book of Revelation, you know, the opening of the scroll and, and, and how the 24 elders in heaven are just, their minds are being blown and they're just so pumped and stoked because yes, someone has come who can save the world and, and, you know, we've seen through history Jesus' death and resurrection, and, and we know that he's paid, you know, for all sin, and now we are eagerly awaiting his uh, his second coming. So, yeah, if you want to get your hands on this book, there's a book just going through, you know, what is the second coming, what does it look like, um, 
you know, what's happening in this world that inst- indicates to us that it is coming soon. Who's the uh, author of this book? A, a guy by the name of Chris Holland. Ah, uh, yes, one of the uh, speakers for It Is Written Television, I believe, in Canada. Well, there you go. If you want this book, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you can claim it for your own. Or send us a text message on 0491-064669 or contact us via any of our social media. And as we remind you, every morning there is plenty of opportunity for you to study the Bible. We can set you up with the Discovery Centre who have 18 different Bible courses that you can choose from and receive a certificate at the end of it, including the Prophetic Code, which is my Bible study course, uh, which goes into the prophecies of the books of Daniel and Revelation and Matthew 24 and many of the other great prophecies of the Bible. Stay tuned. Follow 